Bibles with you, open to the book of Luke, chapter 22, and we'll be starting in verse 14. Verse 14, when the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup which is poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood. You know, many places you go to shop, being a mall or a strip mall or wherever you do your shopping, I know there's one in Grapevine Mills. It's a store called Things Remembered. And they offer items that can be engraved to commemorate special occasions. Many give engraved items to honor a special day, a shared moment. And if you receive such a gift, you know what a special treasure is. It is. People, you and I, like to remember happy times and significant events. Memories are precious. They keep us connected to people, places, and events. Times that have shaped us and influenced our lives. Now, we may wish to forget some things, but even in difficult times, there can be lasting lessons Lasting lessons that we learn through adversity. And in our passage we just read, Jesus is sharing a meal with his disciples. The observance of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, or the Passover. And Jesus uses his opportunity to plant an important memory in his disciples. He shared this meal for their benefit and for ours. And he told the disciples to observe the Passover in remembrance of me. As Jesus raised the bread and the cup in thanksgiving, he added new significance. The meaning of Jesus' words and actions is rooted in his command we find in verse 19. Do this in remembrance of me. And as disciples of Christ, we observe the Lord's Supper in remembrance of Christ. Some congregations call it a memorial supper. Some call it communion. But it's for one reason that we highlight the significance of Christ's atoning work on the cross and calling believers, all believers, to remember his sacrificial death. Communion is called, as I just mentioned, because that really highlights the believer's intimacy with Christ. But whatever we call it, one thing is clear. It's a time to remember. I think it's only appropriate, as Memorial Day is tomorrow, we're already thinking about sacrifices of many 
Why not turn our attention to the very one who offered up the ultimate sacrifice for forgiveness of sins, for sinning his blood, making the way possible for you and I to have salvation? There is a historical significance that we see, as I mentioned the Passover. That's the historical background for the establishment of the Lord's Supper. Exodus chapter 12, that's the final chapter in which God does his miracle works to rescue Israel from slavery. The final plague, if you recall, was the Lord striking down the firstborn. And for the angel of death to pass over, blood from a sacrificial lamb had to be put on the doorframe of that house, and the angel of death would pass over, hence the name of the feast, the Passover. And this became an abiding symbol. And why it's called unleavened bread is because after that happened, they left Egypt so fast they couldn't let the bread rise. And that's where it came from. And they would observe Passover with unleavened bread to recall what God had did for, the, did for them in getting them out of bondage from Egypt. And it became an abiding symbol of their deliverance from bondage. In fact, in Exodus chapter 12, verse 14, Now this day will be a memorial to you. And you shall celebrate as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. Now, as disciples were sharing this meal with Jesus, they understood the historical significance of his words. But what they didn't fully understand and would not understand only after the crucifixion and resurrection is the transformation. The transformation of what had been just a Jewish festival of remembrance was turning into a new symbol for remembering Jesus' atoning sacrifice. And that sacrifice still has meaning for you and I today. For a way of illustration, my wife and I have been fortunate enough to go out to Hawaii, and in Hawaii in Pearl Harbor, the USS Missouri is there, anchored off Fort Island, and she is right next to the, the Arizona. You have the Arizona here, the memorial, and then you have the USS Missouri. And you can take tours on that. You can walk around yourself with a microphone. You take a guided tour. Uh, be careful where you go. You can't get lost. Very good, bigger sized ship. They mark it off for you. We walk around. But every tour stops at one place. It's just the final place where you go. And it's the place on the deck where Gen- General Douglas MacArthur accepted the unconditional surrender of the Empire of Japan. And that took place on September the 2nd of 1945. This historic event that took place on that deck back then ended the hostilities in the Pacific Theater of World War II. It's something to stand there and look at that. They have the replica there of it, and you can stand there imagining what was like that day. And the, the tour guide will talk about as the Japanese came over and they, they met with the American delegations and surrendered. Now, the signing of that treaty happened way before my family and I were born. However, the events that are symbolized by that treaty shaped the world in which we were born into and in which we live now. An event that took place 77 years ago, if I did my math correctly, I believe it was 77 years ago, still has significance. Because I still enjoy the freedom secured by the heroic service of many. On that moment, it shaped America. We won the war. 
preserved our freedom. And that event still shapes me and still affects me because I still live in the land that we're free to do so. Yes, we have problems, but I can still stand in the pulpit and declare God's word and freedom. Don't have to worry about someone coming and arresting me or throwing me in jail. At least not as yet. See, the God who acted in history to deliver his people, Israel, from bondage, has also acted in history to deliver you and I. The elements used in the supper, the the wafer and the, the juice, the grape juice, that's not really the body and blood of Christ. They're powerful symbols that cause us to remember what happened. That Jesus did really suffer and die in a real historical time and place. And what he did many centuries ago still impacts my life and your life today and your eternity. Think about that for that event that took place on this side of the world centuries ago still impacts our lives and eternity today. There's also a redemptive significance. Now, John the Baptist clearly established the reason for Jesus' coming. The fulfillment of what the Passover lamb had only foreshadowed. John chapter 1 verse 29. The next day, John, he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In Exodus 12, we read about the Passover. A lamb was sacrificed for the deliverance of one family. At the cross, the lamb of God was sacrificed to deliver the entire world. From the power and penalty of sin. What's the penalty of sin, by the way? The wages of sin is correctly right, is death. The Passover lamb served as a substitute for the firstborn of Israel. Jesus was your substitute, my substitute, at Calvary. Without the death of the lamb spreading his blood, the children of Israel on that day would have suffered the judgment of God. The firstborn would have been struck dead. Without the shedding of Jesus' blood, without his substitutionary death, we'd have no hope of salvation. None. None whatsoever. People have many ideas about who Jesus is and why he came to earth. Jesus tells us in the book of Luke why he came. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man has what? Has come to seek and what? Save the lost. When we gather around the Lord's table, the elements, the wafer and the grape juice, remind us about his sacrifice and our salvation. We celebrate our redemption in remembrance of him. We remember and thus look forward to the future with great anticipation. In other words, the Lord's Supper is not just looking back on that one event that happened long ago in the upper room in Jerusalem. As we look at that event, we can see all the prophecies that were made before that event pointing to that event that would take place one day. Because that event has taken place, Jesus was crucified. His resurrection sits at the right hand of the Father. Because that took place at the table of of God, we can also look forward with great anticipation because we have prophecies that he told us. One day, he's coming again. And they told him back in the Old Testament, the Messiah would come, the Messiah would come, the Messiah would come, the Messiah would come. And for the last 2,000 plus years, we've been hearing Jesus is coming again, Jesus is coming again. Dearly beloved, it is coming. And I personally believe 
in light of everything that's going on, the day of reckoning is coming and coming soon. We must be good stewards of our time to make sure that we're telling others about the good news of Christ before it's everlasting too late. And the Lord's Supper prevents that powerful message of the gospel. A perfect time to give people an opportunity to receive the gift of salvation, the salvation that was purchased at the cross. So you have historical, you have redemptive significance. Now let's talk about personal significance. Jesus personalized his statements with the first, second person pronoun of you. Look back in verses 19 and 20 of Luke chapter 22. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Now put your name there. For Dial, for Melissa, for Rashonda, for Larry, for Daryl, for Charlie, for Tim, for Roger. It was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup which is poured out for who? You. Is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus told his disciples that he was going to suffer and die for them. He would die for everyone, the sin of the world. And we hear that. And that's true. But I challenge you to personalize it. Jesus died for you. He did this for you. If you're like me, you probably receive more junk mail than any other kind of mail. That's true even on email. You know what kind of mail I'm talking about, right? It's addressed to an occupant or resident. It does have your name, but it's been computer-generated. May or may not have your name spelled correctly. It's short. It's not personal. And normally we'll look at those and what happens to those type of mail. What, what happens to them? We just throw them in the trash, right? But if you get a piece of mail that your name and address is handwritten on that envelope, and you recognize the return address, you know that someone has written you personally. Normally, we'll take the time out, open that up, and see what they have to say. It shows that someone has taken time to communicate with just you. In your pew in front of you, there's a Bible, a hard copy of it. I have it in my iPad. I also have many hard copies of it in my office. That is God's love letter to you. Telling us everything he's done from creation on, acting in human history, to bring back his creation back the way he originally intended. So this time, this is your time. Make it personal. And I want to remind you of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 32. Paul gives us instructions concerning the Lord's Supper. Reminds us of two things. The personal salvation in Christ... And participation in the supper carries inward and outward aspects and responsibilities. 
He tells them you must examine yourselves spiritually before taking part of the Lord's Supper. In fact, he says in that text, many of you come to it just eating it, not taking time to reflect and repent and spend time. That's why some of you are sick. And he says in the passage, he says some of you have fallen asleep, which is an idiom for saying some of you have died. And there's also an outward aspect to it, that, that when we partake of it, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There's personal responsibility when we partake of the Lord's Supper, reverence, humility, sincerity, and understanding of proclaiming Christ's great act of love. It's our observance of the Lord's Supper that we remember Christ and perhaps are never more the church, the bride of Christ, than we gather around the table to partake. To remember him. We can never forget what he has done, what he's doing, and what he's done, or what he's going to do in the future. Now, I can't, I can't fully fathom or understand what a lot of people went through before my generation. Storming the beaches. People dropping like flies. Just to experience that. That, that has to be. I don't care what pictures you see. It just can't. Just the scope of it weighs heavy on my heart. But then I think of my Savior. Who let mere human beings nail him to a cross? Beat him to a point he almost died because of the lashings he took. The very same people who had shouted, Hosanna, 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 blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord, now just a few days later are shouting, crucify him, crucify him. We have no other Lord but Caesar. Man, you talk about rubbing salt into a wound. Can you see him? Can you see him hanging there on that cross, being beyond all recognition? Looking you in the eye, saying, I did this for you. One of the last things that he did on that cross was prayed. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then as Albert Morler pointed out, you see one hand of Jesus reaching down to mankind while stretching the other one up to God. And through his sacrifice, he made the connection that we can have a relationship with our maker. And then he said, what? It is finished. Can you see that? Can you imagine the wrath of God being a cup or a bowl? You read that. We read about in Revelation some weeks to come that he pours out his wrath. Imagine a, a cup full. And Jesus took all that wrath and judgment for sin upon himself for you and drank it all down when he said it's finished it's like he took the cup and turned it upside down 
and put it down and said, it is finished. So now we come at the invitation time. See, you can only partake of the Lord's Supper if you're a believer in Christ and follow in obedience to baptism. Now, I'm going to go around the room and ask you, where is your relationship with Christ? Because that's between you and God. He knows your heart. Examine yourself. If you are a believer, where are you at in this point in your spiritual journey? Is this a confession that you need to make? You know, confessing just means agreeing with God. It's sin. There's someone you need to go to and forgive. And this would be happening, this, not because we're taking partake of the Lord's Supper. It should happen all the time. When we give financially, it says, before you leave your gift at the altar, go make peace with your brother or sister, or your gift won't do anything for you. So taking the words of 1 Corinthians 11, I want us to spend some time now in self-reflection. Let the Spirit of God speak to us. I'm going to say this one more thing. Dear beloved, we are so blessed beyond measure. And yes, I get the complaint game just like every last year. We always complain about something, don't we? Don't shake your head no. You know you complain about it. It's true. First of all, we have our salvation that you realize no one can take that from you. The devil himself cannot take your salvation. That is yours. Oh, sure, they could kill me, or as Martin Luther would say, the body they may kill, his truth abideth still. And on top of all that, we live in a country that we're free to exercise and to worship. We've had it good for so long, we have forgotten what it took to get us here. Freedom. Freedom requires great responsibility. And freedom always comes at a very high price. You respond, please, in the way that would honor God. Use this time wisely. No one here is going to laugh at you or make fun of you. We are all the family of God. If you don't know what I mean by the family of God, then come up here and I'll gladly tell you all about it. But do not let this opportunity slip you by. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for all your wonderful blessings you continue to pour upon us. Father, you, you put us in a place that we're free to gather, a place that we have plenty to eat and clothes. And Father, you, you take care of all that day in and day out. And so oftentimes we take it so much for granted. In our salvation, we are very forgetful. We, we break your laws and your commandments. We sin against you and we forget that it came at a very high price.
Oh, Father, forgive us. Have mercy upon us this day. I pray that you will continue to move among us. Draw us close to you. And in so doing, draw us close to each other. We love you. We adore you. And we thank you for so many gifts, so many blessings. But the most important one, the giving of your own son, so that we may have life and life abundantly. We pray for all these in his name. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? God sent his son They called him Jesus He came to Here is 
received one of these. I'm going to ask you to do something out of your comfort zone. Come everybody. I think we have enough people. Everybody just come together. We are the family of God. Just next to our brother and sister, let's gather around the table this morning. You have yours, brother? You need one? I need to get one for I want you to turn to your left or turn to your right and say, how you doing, sister or brother? <laughs> Here you go, brother. Maybe these are a little difficult, but you take off the first part. It is clear. And that word reveals the way for on top. All right? Now... Let's go back to that upper room. Picture them sitting there enjoying the Passover. Jesus takes bread and he gives thanks and breaks and said, This is my body, which is given for you. His body that was beaten, bruised, and crushed. That's what this represents. And partake of it in remembrance of him. This grape juice represents his blood. Look around you. We have people here from other parts of the country, different nationalities, male and female. But what binds us together is the blood of Christ. And it is stronger and more powerful than anything in this world. He took it, gave it to the disciples, said, This is my blood, which is the new covenant. And he spilled his blood for our forgiveness. Partake of it in remembrance of him. Can we sing the last verse in the chorus? Or then one day I'll cross the river. Hold on before you start. You can play it softly. Uh, do not forget, tonight is Cottage Prayer. Intimate setting for us to gather around. And times past, there's been laughter. And there's been tears. But it helps us grow together as a family. And look around. I mean, these are people you're going to spend eternity with. And I always heard the the comment that 
You may get there and be surprised to see old so-and-so there, but you ever figure someone might be surprised to see you there? I don't think that's going to be the case. I think we'll be so taken by what we see, the glory of it all, by the ones who have passed on, mom, dad, grandparents, brother, sister, husband, wife, friends. But when we see that one still has an nail-scarred hands and feet in his side, oh, man, you know we'll be casting down our crowns and crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Please that last song, brother. And then one day I'll cross the river I'll fight by spine No war with pain And as Gives way to victory I'll see the lights of glory And I know He lives Because He lives I can face tomorrow My prayer is today that all this week and the rest of this year, you'll hear his voice saying, Daryl, I love you. Donna, I love you. Taylor, I love you. Jessica, I love you. Greg, I love you. I'm not going to go around everybody. I'm not trying to be special, but I just want you to get that point. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful time that we had in your presence and with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Fathers, they leave this place, they go out into this world, remind them of who they are and who they belong to, that no world power, no president, no congressman, no act of government, not even Satan himself can snatch away their salvation. It's been paid in full by your son. Remind them of the gift they have within them, the gift of the Holy Spirit that will guide them and instruct them and give them what they need. And help us all to be your witnesses, not only about what we say, but what we do and how we interact with each other and with others. 
Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension or understanding, be with you now and in coming days. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful afternoon.